The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We sit here at the halfway point uh, of the season for most teams. Um, We've got news from who's been waived to who's terrible. Um, We've got a benching that possibly wasn't a benching. Um, and we have the NHL's newest team. That's correct. The Minotaurs. Minotaurs. Hey, I never heard of them. That's okay. We're going to, we're going to talk about them at some point. Seattle Seattle changed their name already. People don't like Kraken. I thought it was a silly name to begin with. So yes, a a complete change there. I'm still trying to figure out how Minotaurs fits into Seattle though. Well, that's a question that will be answered later in the show. Excellent. So where um, are we going to begin then? I have no idea. Where would you like to start? Probably should start with the big news. Jack Eichel? Not the one I was thinking of, but yeah, I guess it's a fairly big oh, you mean, on a bad team. You mean this one? I was just thinking that, you know, maybe we could talk about how money is going to be infused into the NHL at, at a an ex, exponentially higher clip than it is currently. Because if I remember correctly, you're talking the, about the sale of Colin Miller jerseys. Yeah, that's what it is. With Eichel out, Colin Miller is now the number one jersey in, in Buffalo. As it should be. I mean, he's <laughs> highly remarkable. All right, so let's talk about Eichel not being there because I, I really – I don't know what exactly happened. He was there, and then all of a sudden he was out, and then all of a sudden a couple of days later they were announcing that it was out for the foreseeable future. Yes. Um, it's not considered season ending uh, well, from, season. from what I've seen uh, from the e- e- uh, from the ESPN article. Um, it's not. But par- part of the delay here is that because he went to see an outside specialist with the pro- with the uh, pro- <clears throat> with yeah. the protocols in place <clears throat> that <clears throat> he needs to wait seven days and uh, test daily before he's allowed anywhere near back, anywhere back near the team, which just only adds a layer of complication to it. I mean, realistically, it's not going to change what happens to the team this year because they're dreadful. Um, they're ungood as you like to put it. No, no, no. Collar Millen is ungood as a whole. They're absolutely dreadful. And, I actually watched last week's game or last Sunday's game just after the, we recorded the show. Mm-hmm. In short, I feel terrible for Buffalo Sabres fans because as a hockey fan, I was offended by what I saw. Legitimately offended. Like not, not blowing it up just because it's hilarious, but Beyond hilarious, no longer funny, no longer. I was going to say it's not funny. Anymore. Levels of terrible. You spent eight million. 
Go ahead. You're watching. I'm watching a game where literally there are only three players on the team skating around with their eyes on the puck and their stick on the ice. And every other player in a Sabres uniform, head down, stick up, like the blade of their stick parallel with their shoulders and skating around and looking like they're afraid of the puck when they attempt to to make contact with the puck. It's one hand on the stick extended way out at the edge of their reach like they're expecting it to blow up uh, and bounce off their stick and not have any control over it. What, yeah. what the hell happened to these people's pride? Uh, like, I know that they're in an ugly situation as far as as far as just the whole team culture right now. The, but I've seen I've seen most of these players play before. They've never been that bad. Certainly not all at once. I mean, there you can't make it to the NHL and in general lack confidence in your ability to just control the puck. Like we're not talking about scoring on every shot. We're not talking about making um, all-star relay race type passes. We're talking about controlling a puck that's sliding along the ice nice and flat. If you don't have confidence that you can't do that, it's probably time to hang up the skates. Yeah, but now you're saying that the whole Sabres team is just about ready to hang up the skates. Yes, they they looked legitimately terrible. Like, we joke every once in a while about, you know, college teams being able to beat uh, that uh, beat certain NHL teams. It is possible Half the that... Hockey East and just yeah. about any team that makes it into the final 16 uh, for the upcoming NCAA tournament could have beaten them three times on Sunday. That's where I was going with it. I, it. I mean, the fact that up until last week's show, Jeff Skinner hadn't scored a goal. Yep. And then, oh, wait, we record, talk about him, and he scores. But not having Eichel, you signed, you, you paid $8 million to get Taylor Hall on his wing. Uh, you've got Ristolainen, you got the you got the three Rasmuses, although the third one is yeah. But you got Darlene who's not performing on the blue line. Ristolainen's pretty much got to carry things again. It, it, there is, if you want to name the rest of the team, good luck with that. You haven't done anything to fix your goaltending. I mean, does the blame start with the Pagulas because they can't hire? Does it start with the fact that Kevin Adams is a GM taking over a bad ship? Is it the fact that Ralph Kruger needs to be replaced? I mean, part of the problem is if you replace anybody, especially if you replace a coach, depending on where they're coming from, they're going to have to quarantine before they can start up. So then you don't have anybody behind the bench except for a couple of assistants. There's just so many things wrong, and yet, is it still fixable? I mean, do you? I, we talk I, about blowing up teams here, there, and everywhere, and not having Eichel 
the one silver lining to that is that they get to see one of their top prospects in Dylan Cousins, who apparently had himself a really good game the day that Eichel was ruled out. And he ended up, or the next game, whatever it was, I guess Cousins centered, took the spot because he was playing on the wing, but he, he centered uh, Hall and, and whoever was on the right, right. and scored Probably a couple Reinhardt. of the, yeah, Reinhardt, thank you. And scored a couple of goals, but they were also on the ice for a couple of goals against. It's Do they not have enough players that play the 200-foot game? Do they not have... I'm not sure they have even four players who play a 200-foot game. <laughs> and I'm not dumping on them because I've seen like three of their games in the past two or three weeks. It's, I mean... It's total discoordination. Like as bad as the Bruins looked yesterday, and they were terrible. Oh yeah, best. They uh, still best look better than the Buffalo play. Sabers, whom they haven't played yet this season, by the way. Yes, and if the Bruins play that badly during the <clears throat> during the Sabers game, it's going to be a a competition between the broadcast teams to see which obscure prospects that they can talk about who have been nowhere near an NHL roster in five years. Um, <clears throat> yesterday, Jack uh, Edwards was talking about Tommy Cross, of all people. Tommy Cross, Boston College defenseman. Had knee a surgery cup of expert. Had a cup of coffee in the NHL. Yeah, he is a knee surgery expert, if I remember him correctly. Uh, showed up to many's a development camp. Uh, not going to say he didn't put his best effort forward. He certainly did. I mean, he understands first- hockey great, really well. Like <laughs> when he finally decides to retire as a player and he's 31 at this point, um, someone should have him as part of their off-ice team, whether it's an assistant coach or development or whatever, um, because he cl- you, you can tell by the way he moves and directs traffic on the ice that he gets it. But at 31, when you've only played three NHL games, uh, three regular season NHL games and one playoff game, uh, in which he has you know an assist in the regular season and an assist in the playoffs, Better points per game uh, in the playoffs than certain uh, certain All Star forward the Bruins traded for once. Um, yeah, we we're gonna have to start referring to him the same way they refer to Voldemort and and Harry Potter. You <laughs> shall not be named. Uh, we can start doing that we once all, the uh, current GM is gone. We all know we all know who it is anyway, so it's not like it's a big surprise. Oh, surprise! We're talking about no, we're definitely talking about Rick Nash. No, <laughs> and unfortunately, yeah, the way his career ended, not fair to him. But and I'm pretty sure if you asked him, that's not the way he wanted his career to end. No, but as a playoff performer, he wasn't. Yes, that's that's exactly <laughs> correct. He was not a playoff performer, and anyone who tries to tell you that he was is full of stuff. I, I mean, I mean, back to the Buffalo thing for a minute. Is with the with Eichel being out is could that 
with Eichel being out and the trade deadline looming, everybody keeps thinking he wants to be traded. He's apparently he's gone on record saying he doesn't want to be traded. He wants. I think to he's. Or I haven't heard him say that. I've heard him say he hasn't asked for a trade. Asked for a trade. That's what it was. Slightly yes. different. I, I I can only imagine that if he was offered the opportunity to go play for oh I don't know anybody um, I don't know if so if you're saying if uh, Tampa said hey do you want to come play with us I, yeah I think his bags would be packed before uh, I mean, before the phone yeah before the phone even was dropped back on the hook absolutely yeah. <laughs> I think the biggest rumor is him going to the Rangers. Does he does he turn the Rangers around? For one thing, is he even capable? I mean, the first question we got to answer is: I don't know if they can afford him. I don't know how they would fit him under their cap. Like, yeah, that would be an interesting deal. I mean, obviously they're going to obviously the Rangers are going to have to give something up in order to get him, and it's not just going to be like seven first round draft picks because Savannah Jed? I don't know that they want to give up Savannah Jed. He and plus he has no movement clause. Um I mean right now for next year as things stand, they have twenty five million and fourteen players signed. Uh they The Rangers or the Sabres? The Rangers. Okay. Um that includes Truba K. Andre Miller and Adam Fox only on their blue line. Uh, I think we're both at least somewhat under the impression that Ryan Lindgren is going to get signed. Uh, yeah, the way they play him over there, pairing up with that, they pair him up with Fox. Uh, um, I think Pavel Buchnevich would end up as part of the return. Uh, right wing, right wing, left wing, uh, restricted free agent with arbitration rights go uh, this year. Uh, he's at three and a quarter. Um, and then you've got uh, and you've got three other RFAs who uh, forwards who are do a new contract this year. Philip Cheadle, Julian Gauthier and Brett Houghton. Uh, you can almost guarantee one or two of them is going back. Yeah. You know, I might I might ask for as if i'm buffalo i might i might demand <laughs> buchnevich are you in a position uh, to demand <laughs> buchnevich uh probably Cheadle and lindgren as the return uh plus at least one first first of all i would if say that, no. if that were yeah well that would be the first thing i would say no but as a fan, I would send a condolence letter to Ryan Lindgren immediately. Yeah. Because that's not necessarily fair to him. Uh, but, I mean, they're not. The thing the, is, the, the Sabres are not going to ask for Lafreniere. Well, obviously, the obviously, they're not. Up. Obviously, the Rangers aren't going to move him anyway. But, yeah, I, I mean, you don't ask for something you know you're not going to get, even. I mean, now the question is, would they give up Capo Caco? Who's been playing like a number two overall pick? Uh, um, I mean, he had a very, very quiet first year in the NHL. Yeah. This year he's non-existent. 
this year he's got all of four points in 19 games. Second overall pick. Maybe, maybe make the argument that, look, he's clearly not working out there. Uh, you can throw him in on the back end of the uh, on the back end of the deal to clear cap space for yourself. But he's not clearing cap space. He's still on his entry level. Uh, he, I mean, he still counts against the cap yeah, uh, but for the Raiders. Nine hundred. But it's nine hundred twenty-five thousand. It's not, and I don't. But Jack Eichel is making ten million. You're going to have to move people. You're going to have to move a couple of contracts, and just Buchnevich is not enough. Right, and the only way to really make that work is you're going to have to move either Kreider and Buchnevich or Zabenajad and Buchnevich because they're not going to move on from Panarin. Jesus Kreider no. and Buchnevich both have no movement clauses. There is no way Kreider is going to a team as bad as no, Buffalo. Kreider, Kreider and Zabenajad have no movement. Buchnevich yes. is open, yeah. I, I, the problem is, yeah, they don't have the pieces to move. Anything that Buffalo would really want that would actually free up cap space for the Rangers is a no movement. That Jacob Truva, Brendan Smith, both have no movement clauses. Beyond that, yeah, it's going to have to be they're really top tier defense. And, and don't get me wrong, I like Jacob Truva. Uh, think the contract was wrong, but that's another argument for another day. But Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren. Nine hundred twenty-five thousand apiece. K. Andre Miller, nine hundred twenty-five thousand. They don't have the pieces that make the dollars work. Yeah, you're right. Um, the I I won't call it an impossible trade, but it's they would have to convince they would have to convince another contender to take. One or both of Kreider and Zabinijad. And because to bring in somewhere they want to go. Place. What? Because they need to go somewhere they're going to want to go. So you're going to have to yes. involve a third team. Yeah. Probably a fourth team because I can't see anyone being able. I can't see a contender being able to absorb 11 million. Yeah. I mean, most of the teams are. Most of the teams are pretty high up on the cap. And you still need to net that ten million dollars uh, after uh, after the trades in order to look in order to have the room. The Kings, <laughs> and they only have nine point three in cap. <laughs> How did I not think of them? How? Current cap. Oh wait, no. Current cap space. Projected cap space. Uh. The Devils, the Red Wings, the Senators, and the Kings all have current cap space in double-digit millions. But I'm gonna bet that I'm gonna bet that those four teams are not on either of Kreider or Zibanejad's wish list. That might that might just be correct. <laughs> I mean, you can make an argument that Dallas could rearrange enough salary <clears throat> because of their injuries, because of all of the bad that has happened this year. Um, they've got, <clears throat> they've got four RFAs do contracts this year two our, uh, two UFAs. And that's just the forwards. Um, so their roster is going to look significantly different next year. Anyways, 
Um, and then you've got three UFA defensemen. Um, no one especially great. Uh, I mean, Alexiak, who has done really well specifically in a Dallas uniform. Um, and then Pisic and uh, Hanley. But that's I'd take it. Alexiak. There's two million, at two million, I'd take Alexiak. I think there's better options, and we're going to talk about one of them probably the second st- uh, in two stories. Okay. Um, but yeah, trading Eichel is not going to be easy. Um, I, just, I don't see it happening unless he's going somewhere. Uh, I don't know. Uh, during this during this season, I can't see it happening. It's going to have to be an off season con- series of conversations. Yes. Um, where you have a couple of days to make things work without having to worry about making sure you're cap compliant while trades are being made and people are clearing COVID protocols and all the other fun stuff. And my final thought on this is, you know what? It's not going to make Buffalo any better anyway. So at least not at the trade deadline. Well, yeah, there's, there's literally no potential trade that makes the Buffalo Sabres a contender. So should they even bother trying to move him at the deadline anyway? Only if they can fleece someone. Like if they could get Anaheim to give them way too much. I'm seeing a phone call to Don Sweeney in their future. Uh, So they must have. Did I say that out loud? So is Jeff Gordon, uh, you know, ghostwriting the uh, deals for Buffalo this this trade deadline? He might be able to pull that one off. <laughs> but let's just say that a team decided to pay way too much. Uh huh. Not that I think that Anaheim is actually stupid, but let's just, for the sake of the giggles, assume that he doesn't have at Anaheim. the deadline. They can convince, um, well, at the deadline, it almost doesn't matter. They mm-hmm. throw in <coughs> Danton Heinen, mm-hmm. Ricard Raquel. Uh-huh. Um, three first rounds. Uh-huh. The naming rights to the stadium. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, they're going to offer deputy mayor. Yeah. Uh, uh, then you, then there's actually space there to make that happen. Does it make the Ducks a better team? Probably not. First of all, I, if, if Bob Murray tried to do that, I'd probably be looking to terminate his contract. Um, I mean, that's... There, there comes a point in time where, uh, well, unless you're Don Sweeney, there comes a point in time at which you just have to say no when you're giving up half the team and the naming rights and, you know, political positions of power. You okay, what about the – well, actually, we can we can save this for later because uh, the – there's other stuff we want to talk about today. Okay. And we're already fairly deep into the show. Okay. Where would you like to go then? Um, I think it's time to talk about that cash infusion 
Um, we all heard earlier this year that the NBC Sports Network was being um, decommissioned by the end of the year. Uh, those of us who, well, understand why the NHL or why the NBC team built that network into what it is today um, figured out that maybe just maybe with the NHL contract uh, due this year that NBC wasn't going to win it as it happens uh, for the first time in 2017 years. Yeah. A very long time. ESPN is going to be the primary national broadcaster uh, for, for the NHL insert insert applause track here Um, because the contract is seven years long. Yep. So it gives them what every player wants, whether it's NHL, NFL, whatever. It gives them um, stability, longevity. uh, It gives them time to have a plan uh and commitment. Like, like people are going to, people are going to be looking for the ESPN broadcast jobs with the knowledge and intent that they're going to be there for most of a decade. And that's huge. Like, honestly, one of the other things that I find amazing and fun is that Greg Wyshynski is going to be working at, uh, for the company that's doing most of the broadcasting. And I think it's going to give him even better access to players and coaches and general managers Okay. And I can't wait to see his world-class snark at work. Okay. I'm excited because, as specified, the cash infusion of, oh, wait, the contract is for $2.8 billion. So they're finally playing with big boy money. And as much as, yes, the NFL contracts are what they are, and they're huge, but that's the NFL. But they're not playing around in the kiddie pool here anymore. I mean, your, your, your contract is in the billions. Now you're getting basically almost an infusion of the equivalent of an expansion franchise fee every year for the next seven years. You're talking like $400 million expansion fee is what? 500. Maybe I think they're making crack and pay six fifty. I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just for for an even more fun number, the two point eight billion dollars is equivalent to more than thirty four of the current cap hits uh, of the current salary caps uh, in the NHL. So literally, more than a full year's potential cap compliance for more teams than there are in the league. That's that's just mind-boggling. Is, is is it all going to happen in one year? No. Is however, is that enough money that we might not actually see the cap go down uh, or go down seriously next year? I think it. I think it dips probably two or three million, but not like the five to seven million that some that I've heard some speculation on. Because mm-hmm. quite frankly, if it dips five to seven million, they're going to lose superstars to Europe. Period. Superstars, not just not just middle tier guys who are off their entry and not you know the top 
four players on their team, but legitimate superstars. It's, I mean, I'll tell you right now, Kenny Holland is jumping up and down for joy because now he can afford to keep Eichel around. I mean, not Eichel, McDavid around. Oh, literally, I don't, (laughs) unless there's people who genuinely have a grudge against the four letter network and or the mouse, um, there's no one in the league who can't be happy about this. I'm, I just, I'm, I'm happy because, well, unfortunately I'm not happy, but I'm happy because they got themselves a contract. They got themselves money. They got themselves some sort of stability, uh, not know the not knowing what was going to go on next year was, uh, but what I really wanted to happen probably isn't going to, but I want Gary Thorne and Bill Clement doing hockey games again. <laughs> You know what? I I almost don't care who's doing the games, but what I want is thrilled though. What I want, my biggest hope for this, even if it doesn't happen year one, mm-hmm. is for sometime during the contract for multiple years to be able to turn on my TV and have a choice of three or four out of market games to watch all at the same time. If I want to watch the coyotes play Minnesota and I can turn that on. That will make my entire day. If I, if the Kraken are playing Vegas, great. Going to make my day Mm -hmm. like that sort of choice that you see with the, with the NFL, with the NBA, with major league baseball, that is one of the things that has held the NHL back you either had the package from the NHL in order to broadcast it or stream it yourself. Yeah. You couldn't just turn the TV on and say, Oh, uh, picture in picture. Let me watch these two games at once. Like you can with other leagues. And that's if the, if the NHL gets that out of this deal, don't, don't be surprised if by the end of this deal, the salary cap is a hundred million. Well, the other thing is the other thing is tapping into tapping into the the streaming service, the ESPN Plus. The people that pay them pay the five dollars or ten dollars a month to get whatever it is they're getting ESPN Plus for, whether it's the stories or so they well, can watch not, college. I mean, it's not even just available there though. And yes, you're a hundred percent right. Hulu. Those are people who have already cut the cable who haven't had access to the NHL network in years. Yeah. Um, this is a big deal. Like my, I hope Barry Melrose, I hope at some point that they can expand the deal a little bit so that you can get it via like other streaming services as well. But, that remains to be seen. The content wars for between the various major streaming powers are huge. Well, Hulu having Hulu announced Hulu announcing or in their announcement saying that they have live sports. You know, that's one thing. The fact that the NFL does their Thursday night games on Prime. Yeah, this this contract with ESPN 
not only gives them, as we said before, stability, but it does. It vaults them into that the atmosphere of the others and saying, okay, what streaming services want to contract us? You know, we're on ESPN now. You know, are we going to go Hulu? You know, the the fact that Apple Apple TV finally added Nesson after years. You know, the, the it, there are so many avenues to go down. It, it's it's this is this is it's the first step that definitely leads to the first mile. I'm trying to think of an equivalent moment in recent history for for the good of the league and I can't because the US uh the US Canada series or games at the Olympics in Vancouver they were great but they all happened over like 4 days that certainly boosted the visibility of hockey at all levels in north in the US but that was again one one olympic event mhm you go back way way back to the lake placid uh win that wasn't even te- that wasn't even really televised live it was <clears throat> tape delayed for most people some people heard rumors of it if they knew someone on site but <clears throat> I genuinely can't think of anything this big because there there really hasn't been. You're reaching people who cable can't reach and you're reaching the cable people and you're doing it with a channel that people are already watching or a series of channels that people are already watching because there's what ESPN 17 at this point. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's at least four or five NHL, uh, or ESPNs. And oh, as yeah. more details oh, yeah. emerge, ESPN, ESPN two, three ESPN, but they've given ESPN them different names College. now. Yeah. yeah. But ESPN university used to be like ESPN two or three. They, they've given them different names and then there's ESPN news. So yeah, there's at least four different venues but i mean for to get content into people's hands particularly people who don't already who aren't already focused on your content you need to make it available and you need to make the content uh, the availability seamless nhl content was mostly sort of available but it certainly wasn't simple um, and it, it wasn't predictable. Like, yes, the Wednesday night hockey games, what used to be referred to as rivalry games. Um, oh, Wednesday night rivalry. Yes. Especially, <laughs> yes, when, were... especially when it's Arizona against Minnesota. <clears throat> or, or those Islanders Anaheim games. I mean, whoa, <laughs> those were barn burners from like the opening skate. I mean, we get to see we're going to get to see all those you're going to get to see all those ESPN commercials with the NHL with the NHL mascots in them and and everything else. I mean, it's going to be fun. It's good it's good to have them back on ESPN when they lost when they lost the contract back in 0405 
and Versus picked them up. It wasn't the same thing. Versus obviously became NBCSN uh, because NBC bought Versus. But that was self-inflicted by the NHL. Yeah. They had too much labor and stability and not enough stars. And I still think that the NHL does a poor job of acknowledging stars outside the the three to four that they want to talk about. Because no one in the world is going to deny that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and uh, Austin Matthews are really, really impressive offensive machines. I mean, they're not the only guys. What killed them back then was the... Yeah. You've got uh, Victor Hedman. You've got Ryan Ellis. You've got Seth Jones. The young talent that you can sell? Ugh. You've got Koskinen. You've got... Eh, okay, let's not sell Koskinen. <laughs> uh, you've got the likely Calder Trophy winner in Minnesota, of all places. Uh, another argument I think I'd rather make later. Hey, look at the numbers, and it's all about the numbers. Lankinen. <clears throat> you've got personalities to sell. Even though Ovechkin is... John Tortorella? And a lot. <laughs> John Tortorella. Ovechkin is 30 and a lot. He is still an entertaining person when he's not scoring. Hey, NBC pl- still plays up the rivalry the rivalry between Ovechkin and Crosby like they're both 19 years old. Oh, yeah. It, it's it, Yes, it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, but you've got the personalities. You've got... There's so much that you can sell, and I think that ESPN is going to hopefully do a better job than the NHL has and NBC have done together. Um, <clears throat> I think that horse is dead. Okay. Um, I did mention – where did we want to go next? <laughs> I – oh, there's – after after the excitement of ESPN, there's just we talked about Buffalo. We got why why Colin Miller is terrible. Did we really cover the? If you wanted to round out Buffalo, we could go there. Oh hey, speaking of big time money. Saint oh yes, that one. Big time money. Jordan in the bin for six. Yeah okay, so Doug Armstrong clearly had. Um, I don't know, a bad cup of coffee that morning or something. And, and while not feeling while not feeling well, somebody snuck a contract under his nose and he signed it for Jordan Bennington to get six million dollars a year for the next six years. Yes, he learned he apparently learned from uh, Don Sweeney's mistake with Tory Krug and decided to sign someone useful. Uh, during the season rather than let him go to free agency. This from the guy who doesn't like Bennington and you're defending oh, him. Oh, I don't wow. I I don't think Bennington is a great goaltender. I really don't. I think he had a great hot streak that lasted exactly as long as they needed it to. But when you look at the free agent market, you've got a bunch of old guys, some of whom most of whom are playing like old guys, mm-hmm. and a bunch of guys who were never the answer. There's one old guy that's playing like a pretty good goaltender, though. Yes, but he's probably going to be 
the most sought after of all of the UFAs <laughs> this this offseason because we know that a certain GM will let him get to free agency. Uh, well, they did sign they did sign him to a one year deal so that they could keep the tandem together here in Boston. So that they both had one year left on their deals because that's all Halak got was a one year deal, but one year at two and three quarter million uh, for a guy who's standing on his head. I mean, yes, is he going to cash in if he wants to? He is thirty five. He's thirty five. Jordan Bennington is twenty six. I just twenty seven. I guess. I mean, Markstrom got six years, thirty six million, and he's thirty. So. I guess I, I guess and Armstrong could have doesn't have a cup. Yeah, that's true. Uh, do I think this is the best deal ever? No. <clears throat> do I think it's the worst deal ever? Uh, also, no. We could look at the Wang years for the Islanders. Um, <laughs> I mean, we could look at a number of deals that Montreal has signed. If you're comparing it to like, uh, I mean, yeah, okay. I always complain about Buffalo and how they they have not fixed their goaltending since they let Leonard go. Uh, to be nope. honest, they didn't have their goaltending fixed while they had Leonard because all they had was Leonard. Uh, Carter Hutton's not a starter. Olmark's not ready to be a starter, although he's learning he's on the job. He's turning in a 9, 9.18 save percentage right now behind a not good team. Olmark? He has a 919 save percentage with 12 games played so far. I think Omark is going to be the number one. I just I think that he needs an actual number two instead of someone who just plays like number two, like the other two guys. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know enough about Johansson, their third their third string goaltender. I don't know enough about him. I'd have to do a little bit of digging. Uh, but it, so Bennington. It, Yes, Doug Armstrong could have done worse. I just I don't know that Bennington is a six million dollar year goaltender. But as we've discussed on prior shows, the year the the era of the ten million dollar goaltender, I think, ended with Bobrovsky. Started with Price, ended with Bobrovsky, and you're right, we're not going to see another one. We I don't think we see another ten million dollar goaltender <clears throat> until the cap until the cap hits a hundred million. Like, unless Thatcher Demko becomes a star. Thatcher Demko is someone I actually already have penciled in to talk about later as a part of our RFA spotlights. So we'll and, talk about him then. But wow, is he fun? He's been fun to watch in Vancouver. Like Vancouver fans, we saw him years ago here in Boston uh, playing for was it Boston? Co- Boston College. See, I remembered something. And (laughs) when you can get a jaded group of college hockey fans, because, yes, even at the Beanpot, even though half of the players in the arena or half of the uh, fans in the arena are intoxicated, underage, and have probably never seen hockey before uh, attending college, when you're talking about enough college students to fill the Boston garden, because that's what was happening with the bean pot. Then you were getting 12, 15, 18, uh, well, not 18,000. Cause the arena is not quite that big, but <clears throat> you were filling the arena and there were, there were Thatcher Demko chants. 
Well, okay, you got Thatcher Demko. Uh, he's a star. You like, got another. You got another star in the making in Dallas because he's being forced to play in Jake Ottinger, the Boston University goaltender. Yep. Unfortunately, because some guy named Kerry Price just won't let go of the net. You've got a kid, and and to be honest, I think that a little seasoning's not going to hurt him. But you've got a kid in Caden Primo, who was drafted by Montreal, played for Northeastern. You've got uh, Joseph Walls out there floating around. I'm, I don't know even who he's with, but I think he's with somebody here in the Northeast. Played at Boston College. I mean, the goaltenders alone from the Northeast are, are phenomenal. But Thatcher Demko, yeah, he's. Him and Ottinger are the brightest of the two. I think Caden Primo, when he hits the NHL, is going to make add a third star to that roster. But, uh, yeah, Thatcher Demko has been fun to watch. Uh, people in Vancouver, I don't think, are crying in their coffee over the loss of Jacob Marstrom. Mm, probably no. Um, speaking of coffee and crying, um, <laughs> we talked – We've talked more than a couple of times about a about the 2015 draft. Uh, yeah, that was the three picks in a row draft. Yes, and yeah. over over the course of last week, we actually had a major milestone event. Wait, all three draft picks were playing in the same game. All three draft picks were playing in the same game, and it was the first time since, uh, let's see, that was March 11th. You're talking several thousand days between uh, between when they were drafted and when they all played together. Yes, they called up Mr. Zach Senishin. Who uh, played the game. And then got injured. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But he was leading the Providence Bruins in scoring, which. But not known as a goal scorer, which is what you expect when you take a goal scorer in the first round. Uh, apparently, and. and the reason why I love listening to Jack, sometimes he has little tidbits that are entertaining, but apparently when they were doing their their pronunciations of their names or whatever, apparently when Zach was called upon to give his pronunciation, he said, my name is Zach. Wait for it. Senishin. Okay, you're not that big a deal that you should be saying wait for it. Just say oh, your we name had to wait on. for it. <laughs> We had to wait for. Well, we had fact, to wait for it to actually get to the NHL level in the first place. <laughs> so the amount of time that uh, that between the day they were drafted and the day all three played together was, uh, let's see, two hundred ninety-seven weeks and five days, or two thousand and eighty-four days, or fifty thousand and sixteen hours, or three million nine hundred and sixty minutes. Or one hundred and eighty million uh, fifty-seven thousand six hundred seconds. Um. Okay. Two thousand eighty-four days, sixty-four months, 
more than 60, 68 months rather. So you could have legitimately, you could, <clears throat> there are children who were not yet conceived the day they were drafted, who would be in kindergarten now. Uh-huh. Just baffling. Okay. Uh, do we know anything about his injury? Uh, it's a dreaded UBI. Upper body injury. Uh, he will miss some time. The Bruins said on Twitter that Seneshin will miss some time. So who knows how long that will be? I mean, he's already missed five years, so. And and, and it says here, and I'm just glancing quickly at something just because I was wanted to get an update. It says it's a tough break for Seneshin, who had a decent game with Sean Corrali and Studnika. And he did. He actually, he did not look bad. He didn't score a he, goal. He may have been the fastest player on the ice. He may have actually been the fastest player on the ice. Because I saw him go from defensive blue line to the circle in the offensive zone with nobody even within, like, stick reach of him uh, once he got to, like, full stride. And that took, like, three steps. And that's that's wonderful if he can do something with it. But if he's effectively another Danny Paye with, you know, without the defensive ability. What is he? Um, not much. Role player? Not much. Because <clears throat> if he's not known as an offensive star and he doesn't have the defensive ability, he's just a guy who's really fast. Uh, and... Yeah. I don't think he's exactly the type who's going to go stand in front of the net and tip pucks in um, and get and take. Yeah, I don't in. think he's he's not a net run presence. He's a shoot from the face off dot kind of guy, I would think. Or utilizing his speed, he might be a breakaway kind of guy. They don't they say he doesn't have the greatest hands. Uh, but Which is he, why you take ability. him in the top half of the first round. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. But his ability, his, his his skating ability, I guess, is is what he's most known for. I mean, yeah, and and that's what projects him forward and gets him in scoring situations. It's not his hands, it's not his elusiveness, but it's his just his speed and. I mean, six one one ninety two. He's not. He's certainly not small. Um, I just don't think he's a net prom presence guy. I mean, that that no. that takes. That takes a willingness to put your body in a position where you're going to get cross-checked and beaten up and shoved around. And <laughs> and I just don't think he's that physical type of player. I, I made the mistake of looking at who was available, who was still available when they were when those three were picked. Yeah, we've done that before. It's too many times. Yeah. One of them happens to be a guy who plays for the Islanders, if I'm not mistaken. Literally, if they had just taken the next three guys drafted, uh, they would be a I believe one of those. Team. I believe one of those three is some guy named Shabbat. But yes, Barzal, yeah. Connor, that and would Shabbat. be the, yeah. That would be the Islander guy. Yeah, Barzal, Connor, and Shabbat were the next three guys available. <laughs> Ilya Samsonov. 
Uh, that's goaltender, Ilya Samsonov. Brock yeah. Besser? Yeah, some guy up in Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> Wait, didn't he win Rookie of the Year? Just, uh, or no. was that Bo Horvat? One of the two won it, I thought. I, anyway, it, 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 yes, but to have had any of uh, Shabbat completely alters your your blue line and affects whether you draft uh, whether you draft McAvoy or not. I mean, there's just yeah, there, there's oh yeah, we've done that. I've I've cried in my copy over that draft and. Zaboral or Shabbat? Zaboral or Shabbat? Uh, oops. <laughs> yeah, that that's a really tough one. Uh, yeah, I can see with that. You know, though, Zaboral hasn't played terribly this year. And, and I has actually looked good in spots. And I'm his biggest critic around here. I'm not a big fan. I didn't think he was the right. I didn't think he was. None of the three are the right pick. Obviously, Nebraska has been around the longest at the top level, but see, I, I don't mind the DeBrusque pick. Like if I were, if obviously if you asked me to change out two of the three, DeBrusque would be the guy you pick, you keep. Yes. But I don't think that you can really afford to miss. And to date, the Bruins have missed on two first round on two out of three of your first round picks. Not when you make, not when you make the moves to get those picks, it wasn't like they just happened to have them. Sweeney went out and made deals to get those picks. Um, just no. So, continuing our uh, tour of the Sabres locker room. Oh, yeah. We ran a Twitter poll this week. Um, <laughs> if your team could acquire Jeff Skinner uh, from the Sabres, how much salary uh, would they need to keep for you to be happy with the deal? All Max of, of 50%. Uh, um, I hate when you say that. I hate when you <laughs> starting last week. Well, that's the way the cap works. I know. Um, the options were just get him, fifty percent, thirty-five percent, and twenty percent. Fifty. I know that's your answer. <laughs> I was slightly surprised by the results. Um, eight point seven percent of people of respondents said they, uh, if the Sabres kept 20%, they'd be happy. Eight, um, 9%, 8.7% said 20% is okay. Well, yep. I mean, Jeff Skinner is having an unusually bad year. Maybe just maybe going someplace where other people, you know, keep their sticks on the ice and their eyes on the puck might help. I mean, literally, that's true. Even in, even in the three California teams who are all terrible, mm-hmm. there's actual eye contact with the puck, and people acting like the, uh, and people don't act like the puck is explosive, and going to take out them and their entire family when they make contact with it. In Anaheim, any of the three uh, still show more confidence in controlling the puck and knowing what to do with it than in Buffalo. Any of the three. Okay. Um, 21.7% said 35%. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, at just get him, which is probably the result that will surprise you most. We had 17.4%. Um, and in 17. other news, 17.4% of respondents wanted him that bad. And in other news, 17.4% of the fans are okay with the Patriots resigning Cam Newton. But I'm sorry. No, I, I, are we getting the Jeff Skinner of now or are we getting the Jeff Skinner of two seasons ago, three seasons ago? I, why is it? It's one thing to say that, okay, a guy is having a bad year. It's another thing for the guy to completely fall off the cliff of Mount Kilimanjaro. And Jeff Skinner scoring his first goal of the season, 20 plus games into the season, is falling off the cliff when this is a guy who was playing very consistently and I don't have his numbers up from last season. But if I'm not mistaken, did he not score 30 goals? Last year or the year before, I mean, what the heck's going on? You, you, I understand that you're playing in Buffalo, but you don't suddenly forget how to score goals. You don't necessarily forget how to score goals, but again, no one is carrying the puck in a sensible manner there on a regular basis. So we're going to blame his lack of production on everybody around him. He's never been a distributor. He's never been a puck lugger. He's a guy who gets into the offensive zone. Someone gets him the puck and he blasts it home. First of all, at 28 years old, I'm not giving him $9 million. That's why I want at least half of it taken care of. Uh, It's he went from, okay, it was two seasons ago, had 40 goals last season, 14 this season, one. In 23 games, the man has two points. Now, you're right. He's not a distributor. He's always had more goals than assists. Uh, The only time he had more assists than goals was, oh, wait, his first two years with the Hurricanes. After that, he turned into primarily a goal scorer. He's still double-digit assists up until two years ago, up until, yeah, last season when he had 14 and 9. He literally looks like he fell off a cliff. He went his last season in Carolina. He had 24 goals. Oh, 24, 25. So three seasons ago, he actually had more assists than goals. 24, 25 played in 82 games. I mean, reasonably healthy guy. He, he 71, 77, 70, 82, 79, 82, 82 played. I'm going to guess pretty close to the full complement of games they had last year before the pause. So it, it, it's not a health thing. No, that's uh, that 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 franchise right now is just septic. It like beyond toxic. So it's soaked into the bones and the blood of the players and probably some of the off ice staff as well. There's just nothing good going on in Buffalo. So it's completely I'm, I'm just trying to understand that it's completely Buffalo's fault. He has no effect on what he's doing on the ice because it does look like he fell off a cliff. He hasn't scored. He hasn't scored less than 24 goals since the 2014, 15 season. Uh, 
there's there's something wrong in Buffalo. Like something drastically wrong. Like we talked we heard we heard Robin Leonard's struggles with mental health there. Um I that that wasn't a uh, it wasn't purely Buffalo. I'm not saying that the problems are purely Buffalo. It's a combination of player and uh, player, player as individual, players as team, organization, and I don't know what's going on in the city. I've I've not ever been to Buffalo, but even he couldn't whip their butts, and and he was a voice in that locker room and he came out and he told the, you know, we're not doing that. We need to play better. We need to move around. We need, and he couldn't get them motivated. There's, there's something very wrong with that franchise. And that's one of the reasons I've been saying, blow them up for like two years. Okay. Half a decade because <laughs> it was before Eichel. No, legitimately before Eichel, I was saying blow them up because there's something wrong there. And the Pagulas have not made the franchise better. They just haven't, period. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the fact that Colin Miller is still playing like Colin Miller um, is an issue. And I think for particularly for guys like Jeff Skinner, for Jack Eichel, for Taylor Hall, who are used to being the best player on the ice and have been that way most of their life since they were like eight years old. The fact that they're not winning, even when they're having great games, is both foreign, confusing, and slightly poisonous. Like, they're losing co- – even those three guys are losing confidence. And we've seen it with all levels of players. If you can't – if you don't believe you can succeed at something, you're, you're probably right. And – you watch that whole team. The only people who seem confident are the people who aren't that good to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. There's a tweet here from uh, Joe, Yer- uh, Joe Yerden um, from over the week. Uh, and I have it carefully concealed in why Colin Miller is terrible <laughs> uh, on our, on our, uh, on our segment board. Mm hmm. And Colin Miller is backing up into the defensive zone. He's got a player to his left, three, uh, three, three offensive players coming at them. And what does Colin Miller do? He swings up to erase someone at the blue line and take himself completely out of position. And the player that he took out was not the puck carrier. I that's that's a rookie mistake. That's a second year mistake. Colin Miller is like seven years into his career at this point. I have identified the issue. He's not good at hockey. Well, yeah, with Colin Miller. No, no, I have identified the Buffalo Sabres issue. And it is. No, it's as simple as it is ownership. Here's the deal. The Pagulas took over in 2011, bought the team. Prior to that... Has it really been 10 years? Yep. Prior to that... Okay, let's just do the... From the 0405 season. 
when the season was canceled. Oh five, oh six, one conference quarterfinals, one in the semis, lost in the conference finals. Oh six, oh seven, lost in the conference finals. Oh seven, oh eight, they didn't qualify. Oh eight, oh nine, they didn't qualify. Nine, ten, and ten, eleven, they lose in the quarter. They lose in the conference quarterfinals both years. Pagula's take over. 11-12 did not qualify. 12-13 did not qualify. They've also gone from no bet, no worse than fourth in their regular season finishes. Since the Pagulas have taken over, they finished no better. Well, okay, they had one year where they finished third and still didn't qualify. They had one year where they finished third. After that, fifth, eighth, eighth, seventh, eighth, eighth, sixth, sixth. So you're saying since they're the not have, good. Since since the Pagulas have taken over, this team has gone in the tank. And unfortunately, whether the Pagulas want to hear me or not, whether they listen to me or not, the evidence is clearly here that since they've taken over, this team has accomplished exactly zero. I wouldn't say zero. I mean, they do on a regular basis manage to make any opponent look a lot better. (laughs) Actually, you're correct, because when they have full seasons that start in October, come mid-November, they're usually in first place. Come mid-December, they've come back to Earth. (laughs) I just... the evidence is you can't get any without digging deeper, obviously. But since they've taken over, this team has done nothing playoffs wise, has not even sniffed the playoffs. Except no, maybe that first year when they finished third, they might have been like on the outside looking in, you know, that ninth team in eighth playoff spaces. Or what. It, it, I'm sorry. That's just they're just not good. They're 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 not NHL. Oh, they're not useful NHL owners. I don't but know. They if also, too do they on. not also own the uh, Buffalo Bills? Yes, they do. Okay. Who who amazingly enough have actually been better in the last couple of years. Yeah. My, I don't my, know if they just don't understand hockey, which I guess guess is okay if you a enjoy it. And B, at least understand competence when you see it. But hire people that can act. Then hire people that actually do care. And I'm not saying that that Botterill didn't. I I don't know that they've given anybody a chance. They've had how many head coaches under this under the ownership? They've had what four or five? Yeah, yeah Bilesma, Housley, Bilesma, Housley, Kruger, and it's. Oh, you're right. It's it's ownership. Uh, I mean. And the the thing is, is as toxic as the ownership is. Going to see the same thing in in. uh, In Arizona, because we've already we're already getting stories about misbehavior out of that out of the ownership there. We're not even hearing those sort of stories, and the Sabres are a flat-out failure. Failure. Mm -hmm. 
so last week and the week before and half a dozen times over the last year or so, I've talked about just blowing up the Buffalo Sabres and blowing up the Nashville Predators. I've said from the beginning or since the Nashville Predators lost in the playoffs or lost in the finals to the Penguins that they have never looked right again. Okay. As I told you yesterday in text, uh, I was working on putting together a new team. And that team is drawn exclusively from the rosters of these two teams. My goal was cap compliance, something that's probably going to make it into the playoffs in the current year. You interested in hearing it? Your your team? The team. I, the I would love. I would. I when I when you first messaged me that you were creating this team, I I thought I understood. Then I then I kind of confused myself. So did you take players only from only the, from these two organizations, the Sabers and Preds franchises? Okay. Yep. That's what I thought you meant. Okay. And it, after the first you know, six, eight players, it was no longer easy because. So who did you have a backing up? You say Saros. Uh, you say Saros is not the number one goaltender. <laughs> he is the backup to Allmark. He is the backup to Allmark. I mean, look at the numbers. Yeah, no, I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just – my first thought when you said you put this together and, and after the first eight or ten, it was it was very difficult. And I'm thinking, okay, I complain about Buffalo goaltending, so I don't know where he got his goaltenders from. Um, <laughs> he was digging deep into the minors at this point. <laughs> I didn't actually go to the minors. I really went – my my philosophy with putting together this team was start with the best six or seven players, start with people who can do multiple, add people who can do multiple things, and go for keeping as many players as possible, uh, either in their natural position or one that they or strong preference. So I have right defenseman playing on the right, left defenseman playing on the left. Wow, imagine um, that. I know, weird concept. Yeah. Um, but I didn't wholesale move defensive pairs or forward lines. Okay. Um, because I think part of the whole mentality of combining two rosters to make something actually useful is giving a little touch of newness to uh, to those rosters, uh, to that roster on the ice and away. So I will start with the goaltending since it was what you were most interested in. Um, number one is Olmark. Number two is Saros on the taxi squad. Uh, is your favorite hockey name ever? Uka Pekka Lukanen. Yes. Um, the two scratches carried partly because, well, mostly because, well, salary cap got tighter than I expected. And you like uh, to say Ugo Pekalukanen. <laughs> Dylan Cousins and Frederick Allard. Okay, yeah. Uh, so a right defenseman and a center slash left wing. Um, you're going to scratch your head over the third defensive pair 
and I will let you, but I think that they're useful uh, in this context. Uh, but we'll start with the we'll start with the obvious names. Um, first line is Forsberg, Eichel, and Reinhardt. Forsberg, Forsberg, Philip Forsberg. Oh right, you can you you're taking from both franchises. Okay, yeah, I I, I locked in on Buffalo. Okay, yeah. Um, second line: Hall, Johansson, and Quinn. Johansson and Quinn. Uh, okay. Third line is Arvidsson, Kunin, and Ryder. Luke Cunning. Luke Cunning. Yep. Okay. And Ryder. Uh, Tobias Ryder. Or oh, Tobias Reeder. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, fourth line is Eric Holla, Riley Shahan, and Brad Richardson. I can absorb those lines. Sure. I mean, Hall is a good, uh, a good third, fourth line center. Uh, Tobias Reeder is a better 200 foot player than I think most people recognize. Absolutely. And You're I ob- did look at. I did look at penalty kill um, for filling out uh, both the defense and the bottom six forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense, uh, some people will quibble over the pairings. Uh, I know that there are people in Buffalo who will absolutely hate uh, at least half of the top pairing. Well, let's let the, I mean, just quick reminder, you were still going by the obvious constraints of the current cap. So current you can't cap just go and these two rosters. You can't just go, oh, I want all six of the top guys because you're talking $60 million just on defense. Just, just in defense. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> top pairing, uh, Roman Yossi and Rasmus Ristolainen. Second pairing, Rasmus Dahlin and Ryan Ellis. Interesting. Uh, you were expecting Ekholm. I almost – went for him, but when I figured out how to get it under the cap without uh, and keep the top two pairings, because realistically either what either of those pairs is a number one pairing on a lot of teams. And I, I did want to get, I did want to make sure that there were younger players on this team because yeah, there's the cap considerations are scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but the third pairing, I think, is actually better than most third pairings in the league. You've got Mark Borowicki and Matthew Benning. Okay, so you just wanted to keep Borowicki around, okay. I, I'm i not sold on him the way other – I don't see it. I'm he's a, look physical, his, he's a tough physical guy. I get it. He, he blocks a lot of hit, shots. And I he like plays a lot of penalty kill. Okay, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not sold on him the way a lot of people are. But okay, uh, not, Matt Benning I'm, is. Matt Benning is highly mobile. He's a great passer, and I think with a useful coach, which would not probably be anyone who's been time in Buffalo in the last couple of years. Sorry, Kruger or Hines. I think that he. I. You know what? I think. Realistically, Housley's not there anymore. I think he would have benefited hugely from having Phil Housley as his as his defensive coach. 
but if you look at this look at this roster with those top two pairs, if you yep. play them each twenty three minutes a night, you're no, talking forty six minutes. I think that a, a pair who is as experienced as Benning and Borowicki can't hurt you badly in fourteen minutes unless unless, you know, they're trying. I'm just I'm I think I have to say this. I am shocked beyond recognition that somehow you did not make space available for Colin Miller. It was a tough call, but because uh, <laughs> we know that he's long been my favorite player in the league. I mean, it's just, it's not a secret. I tweet about him all the time, all the time. But he played for he's played for some local product local teams here. He played for the Bruins. He played for the Monarchs in Manchester. Wait, they're not there anymore. Yep. Um, and to, <laughs> just to fill in the rest of the taxi squad. Yeah. Uh, after uh, Ukapeka Lukanen, um, Casey Middlestat, Rasmus Asplund, Jake McCabe, and Michael McCarron. So you managed to keep the Rasmus twins, yeah, and triplets, Yay. yes. <laughs> no, I. It, Good call. Uh, I will ask why Ellie Ellie Tolvanen didn't make the make either in the taxi squad. Uh, Is he just not producing? Is he making more money than he should? I don't know. I think what it's his more. Is, I think so. it came down to more money because okay. with this roster, I actually only managed to be a half a million under the cap. Wow, pretty good. <clears throat> And the taxi squad guys, with the exception of McCabe, are all making under a million this year. Um, McCabe, I think, I think McCabe's played well enough that McCabe you could easily swap out for either Benning or Borowicki. Um, yeah. I'm not going to disagree with that. And it, it's sort of a shame that I had to put him there, but to make the cap work, yeah, that's that's where he ended up. Okay. It sounds like, you know what, I put that team up against the current Buffalo team, and they most likely win seven out of ten games. I think you could put this team up against the entire Western Conference and have them come out with a winning record. <laughs> That's the new, the, the, So this is the new Seattle Minotaurs or the new whatever Minotaurs. Uh, we'll just We'll just call them the Quebec Minotaurs for now. Yeah. The monster used to frighten other cities. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I actually like it. Uh, I wanted to close out the circle with the head coaches, the Pagulas. Under the Pagulas, the Buffalo Sabres had, have had no less than six head coaches, starting with Lindy Ruff, who was already there when they bought the team. Yep. Then Ron Ralston for 51 games. Then I they barely had even remember that he was a coach. <laughs> 51 games. And his record was not really impressive at 19, 26, and 6. Um, <laughs> but Lindy Ruff, then, then Ron Ralston, then one of your favorites, Ted Nolan, was there for a couple of years. Teddy Nolan. Yep. Then after they got rid of Teddy, they brought in Dan Bilesma for a couple of seasons. Then after Bilesma, they brought in Housley for a couple of seasons. Then after Housley, they brought in Kruger, who's still there and 
hasn't hit the 164 game cap because that's what both Housley and Bilesma got. Ironically, they both coached exactly 164 games. Bilesma slightly better than Housley uh, by 10 wins. Wait a minute. Run that by? Run that back again? So Kruger is the current coach, hasn't been there, but Housley and Bilesma both coached exactly 164 games. Same number of games. Two seasons. And Bilesma had a had was ten games better than Housley. He had sixty eight wins. Housley had fifty eight. Yes, but I mean, <laughs> Bilesma had actually been a head coach in the league. However much I what is Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh? <laughs> yes, and that's honestly that's that uh, that is an advantage, especially in the early days of establishing credibility. Um, Lindy Ruff was a Jack Adams award winner with Buffalo. But okay. Looking at the Minotaurs. Yeah. Let's go back to the minute. I just wanted to close out the coaching circle. I think they would make the playoffs in the Western conference. Did you give any consideration to who you would want coaching this team right now? I I mean, um, I would guys who were for guys for coaches who are available right now without anyone having to be fired. I would put, Claude Julian and Ted Nolan yes. as one of his uh, assistants. Hell, we could put we could put the band back together and get uh, Jeff Ward under him. Um, Actually, yeah, that's true. Jeff Jeff's available. Claude's available. I think legitimately you could put this roster at third in the in the West right now without I having. I think no one. I was just going to say, having Claude there, you've got enough. You've got enough of a mix of veterans, and, and yes, you've got youth that, on the team too. But you've got enough mix of veterans that are they. I think they would be willing to accept his system because he likes his veterans. Veteran, you know. and yeah, if you bring in a a, a Jeff Ward type to work with. Uh, Work How with the power play, the special teams. Yeah, I, I, and you have Ted Nolan as the as the uncle as the uh, as the favorite uncle. Um, I, I don't know if Teddy Nolan was the favorite uncle. I thought he was. Uh, wasn't as a, wasn't he as a as a player? He was more physical type. But I thought as a coach, he was closer to John Tortorella than favorite uncle status. Uh, I I don't know that he's going to be as. Um, acerbic as Julian and Ward. Okay, fair enough. And I think that he's smart enough uh, that if he sees how the other two are going to be, he would probably soften his approach a tiny bit. But in the North, assuming this team were playing in the North, where would you put them? In the North? Right now, that division has Toronto in first by uh, Winnipeg and Edmonton are tied for second. And that's something we need to talk about soon. Um, Montreal is down in fourth and sliding. Uh, And then Calgary, Vancouver and Ottawa. (sighs) 
I think this team is more balanced than Edmonton. Better defensively than Winnipeg. Uh, you'd probably have to stick them in third as well. I think they'd. Yeah. I think they'd be third in the north. Uh, they would have. Second. I think they would beat Edmonton head to head in most games. Yes. In low scoring affairs. And they'd probably split with Winnipeg. Um, in games that could go either way, you could end up with but, four, like in an eight game season like this year, you could have four games that were decided by five goal or by three goals and four games that were decided by one. But that top that top four the the top four defensemen on that roster and, and actually all six. First of all, Benning played for Edmonton, so yep. they, there's that, too. But those six defensemen are going to be able to slow down the scoring they may not be as fast as McDavid speed wise or drive, but they are going to be able to create the layers as Jack loves to call it. Sure. It, that they are going to be able to shut down that high powered offense, not you for 60 east? full minutes, but enough that they will be able to control the ice in their defensive zone. Ristolainen, I still love his physicality, and he could still do on. You got Roman Yossi, who full 200 foot player, he can score, but he's also very good on defense. It it works for me. How about the East? Where do you put them in the East? Oh, I might have to put them second in the East. Really? You, okay. Washington has allowed more goals than either of the teams we were talking about in the West uh, as being tied for second. Uh, So is Pittsburgh. And neither one of them is scoring as much as Edmonton um, and barely more than Winnipeg. The Islanders. You're going to put them behind the Islanders or behind the Bruins? I would have them behind the Islanders. I look, I said at the beginning of the season, I didn't expect the Bruins to make it out of the second round. If they make it into the playoffs, they should still make it into the playoffs, but I don't, I, 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 as, as they're currently constituted, I don't expect to see them playing, uh, in the third round. Just don't. Well, I have three words for you. No depth scoring. Uh, no offense from the blue line. (laughs) If you're relying on the blue line to be your depth scoring, You've but got problems. Anyway. It's not even it's not even about them being the depth scoring. They don't collectively make the smart passes to make plays happen. When you look at guys individually, like, Grizzlick makes the smart pass. Grizzlick is is yes. growing yes. into a fine but fine young co- defenseman. Collectively, they're not making right. smart passes that set plays up. I when you that. look at Warensky or Krug or you look at Hedman you look at um, even Ryan Suter when he's got his head out of his backside. Um, you look at Makar. You look at uh, Doughty, um, Duncan Keith. They're thinking three puck movements ahead because they know their player, they know their co-workers, they know the rest of the team and how they think and how they perform. And we're not seeing that. Part of it is because their team is the Bruins blue line is really ridiculously young. Uh, but 
part of it is they're just not that good offensively. Mm-hmm. Get past and, that first line and and you're done. Um, and then there's the central division, which is so squiggly. It's just <laughs> baffling. Um, uh, central, uh, are they better than the Panthers? The Panthers are playing, uh, the Panthers are playing with house money at this point. I mean, the they, Panthers they, are the best story that no one's really talking about in hockey this year. This is another one of those failures to market by the NHL. Yeah. But they're, at least they have both Florida teams in the same division. They're just short of, I mean, they're leading, they're tied with the division lead. They, they, their points percentage is a little bit lower because they played one more game. But if the Florida Panthers win this division and aren't featured in NHL advertising all summer and for the first half of next season on ESPN and the rest this is an abject, unforgivable failure by the league, which I fully yes. expect to see. So in the central, do you put them second or third? Are they better than Tampa Bay or Florida? Would they finish? I don't think they're better than Tampa Bay. I, re- I mean, even if Tampa Bay's goaltending is better, which in a long series, which in a playoff series is going to make the difference um, in, in a regular season, which is what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. I think Tampa's still too deep. They've only allowed 60 goals through 26 games. I think the next nearest uh, Detroit has only allowed. I mean, Dallas has only allowed 63, but Dallas also can't score. Um, That's a problem. The Islanders have only allowed 62, but Washington's at 87. Pittsburgh's at 79. Boston for all of the nonsense we've given them and they've deserved it in the games when they look like they look terrible in 25 games, they've allowed 60 goals. Um, Toronto has allowed 75. Winnipeg has allowed 78. Edmonton's allowed 87. Um, Islanders have only allowed 62. Allowed 56 game goals in, in, in 25 games. Minnesota's at 63. And Billy Guerin has got to be giggling down his sleeve at this point. Um, well, but St. He, Louis has he, allowed I mean, 92 goals in 28 games. 92. And, and yes, but they just gave $6 million a year to Bennington. <laughs> that's unfortunately, that's that's the rate he that's the market rate at this point. I understand that. I, I, I do get it. I just I don't know. I just, Vegas, 56 goals. I'm not surprised there, the way Flurry's been playing lately. You'd, you'd think that Flurry was 20, 26 instead of 36. Um, Boston's not surprising. It is a little bit. Their defense is playing better than I expected with the whole uh, young kids. Vegas, not yeah, Vegas, not surprised. Minnesota, a uh, little bit of a surprise there. Not the Not the... Not the home, you know, not the hometown, easy to name defense that they have in Minnesota. But yeah, he's, I mean, their goaltender, that young kid, they got Capo Kakinen, not to be confused with Capo Kako. Capo Kakinen has certainly taken Kirill. over there in Minnesota. But they Kirill. got Kirill Kaprizov is the, is the, the goal scorer and the 
the lightning rod, the excitement in Minnesota, but the goaltender that they got, he's actually coming close to breaking Darcy Kemper's rookie record for wins in a row. It's so in the central, then we would have to put them second or third, second or third, second or third, because Carolina actually has a better win percentage slightly than Florida, like you said. So Um, overall, we're talking the Minotaurs are a top 10, top eight team in the league. Okay, let's be let, let let's just open it up and say yeah, top ten. I don't want to narrow it down and be like top eight or top six or top ten team in the league. Sure, it can be done. It, it no saying it can't be done. It's just that whatever's going on and and there are you know other things that happen in Buffalo. What I have no idea, but the Pagulas just. I, I don't know if they're hiring wrong or or what. Oh, but. they're definitely hiring wrong, or they're either hiring wrong or they're or they're over or they're managing wrong. Because at this point, I genuinely can't believe this many people can fail so spectacularly, so consistently, without issues from outside from the owner's box. Period. Period. And I know we're up against it, but can I tie one more thing into the Buffalo store, the Buffalo thing before we go for the week? Go for it. Uh, I actually found a tweet from Ian McLaren on March 7th. So it was just after last week's show. Yep. And it says Bruins traded a 2018 first round pick forwards, Ryan Spooner and Matt Bolesky, defenseman Ryan Lindgren. And a 2019 seventh-round pick to the Rangers for he who shall not be named. Let's do something similar for Taylor Hall, please. Um, and no. the UFA, so you'd get his negotiating rights as well, not necessarily a rental. My Let's first do thought was smarter. no. At this point, because you can't afford him. And Buffalo is going to want way too much. And uh, no. no. Well, if no. you can, if you if you give up young prospects, unfortunately, the Bruins prospect pool is one of the worst in the league. So you'd legitimately have to give well, up. Gee, is it because Sweeney traded it all away? No, or because well, he, or because he can't it, draft. He can't draft. <laughs> he can't draft. Um, I mean, and having said that, I will now say that David Pasternak uh, this week uh, passed or hit the 400 point mark in 406 games, fourth fastest in franchise history with a definitely off the board draft pick that they probably could have gotten in the second or third round. Um, Not that he isn't arguably one of the top three players in his draft. And we can talk about that next week because we haven't really looked back at his draft class uh, recently. Pastas? Yes. As we've said many, many times, didn't see that one coming. I, my, I, I read one reply and, and, and it just 
makes me cringe. Um, somebody wrote, I think you start with it. Somebody actually planning this said, I think you start with a first and DeBrusque and add from there, either Seneshin or Zaboral. I don't think Seneshin, Zaboral, maybe Zaboral, if he continues the upward trend, someone deeper in the age. Somebody's actually thinking this one through. Stop. We're not getting Taylor Hall. Nope. Eight million dollars uh, You might as well start. No. You might as well start building the uh, building the trade proposal for Leon Dreisaitl. Um. Okay. Naming rights to the garden. Uh, uh, let's see. Renaming the Providence Bruins to something that German. benefits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yes, the, it's that sort. It's not quite the, that dramatic, but it's just as futile. Anything else just, we need to cover this week? No, I think we've done a fair bit of fair bit of work on the Buffalo Sabres this week, and we covered some under, interesting points as well. I think we're done good. Okay, then, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as always, you can find me at Puck Sage on Twitter. You can find me at the Off Wing on Twitter. Um, any of you who happen to be on Reddit. Please share the show and a couple of your favorite hockey forums. Um, I've never really gotten the chance to explore the hockey side there. Uh, my day-to-day life is really, really quite busy, and Chris uh, isn't on Reddit either. But um, share it in a couple of places. Tell them what you like about the show, and uh, they've certainly got enough to listen to to decide how much they love us, hate us. Uh, they can hate listen to us like we're – Game of Thrones or love us and uh, <laughs> hit us up uh, three times a week with questions. Don't care, but love to. We'd love to have some more listeners. Um, take care. <laughs>